0: Welcome to the Agree to Disagree Show, a show that discusses news, politics, and pop culture with your
1: host, Luigi C. I want to see how many people I can agree to disagree with. We will try to solve life's great mysteries. Why is the sky blue? Why do we lean left or right? Why are we all nuts? Let's start the show. Welcome and good evening, everyone, to episode sixty. I can't believe already sixty of episode uh, of the Agreed to distribute show, where we discuss current events, politics, pop culture, and social issues. This episode is brought to you by our main sponsor, CigarNights.com, where all you cigar aficionados can get all your cigar accessories. My guest this evening is a fellow Canuck podcaster. Please welcome to the show Zach from the Plaid Jacket Philosopher Podcast what is up zach
0: hey luigi thanks for having me tonight and hey. uh, i see that that uh, bobby or bruins banner hanging in the background that is disgraceful you, you
1: see it's <laughs> <that is> disgraceful
0: <laughs> i'm a canucks fan so i still got 2011 burned oh, in my memory <laughs> oh, 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 oh so should i say the 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 famous quote uh, don't let me pump
1: your tires oh yeah oh
0: yeah yeah luongo and thomas what a <laughs> duel that was what a duel <laughs>
1: You know what, Zach? If it makes you feel any better, it was the greatest moment of my life. I thought I was going to go to my grave without seeing my precious Bruins win a cup. And
0: I yeah. saw it. Well, I, so, I am happy for you from that. And I hope that I get to see one in my lifetime.
1: I, ho- I hope for you, too. I hope for <laughs> you, too. Let me tell you, uh, I partied like it was 1999. And uh, I will never forget it. I'll never I forget can, it.
0: I can imagine.
1: So first off, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Um <laughs> Thank you so much for reaching out with the with the kind words, and uh, I'm really happy to have you on the show this evening.
0: Yeah, man, thanks for having me. I'm I'm uh, really excited to talk to you. I like talking to you know other Canadian podcasters, and especially you being across the other side of the country. I think it's interesting to get different perspectives, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to be on. This is my first time doing a live show, so this is uh, going to be interesting. But thank yeah. you. Yeah.
1: You told me that off, off, off air. So uh, you'll see, it's like riding a bike. It's, it's no big deal. So <laughs> we'll see who's on. We could already see, uh, the dirty four is saying, hello. What is up dirty four? I presume that is Claudio. How you doing, buddy? Thanks for tuning in. Um, so like, could we have, first of all, timed this podcast any better? And, and you, right. When, when we were talking off air, we say, okay, Luigi, what would you like to talk about? I'm like, Are are you kidding me, Zach? (laughs) (laughs) The the, the, the script is literally being written for us uh, right before our eyes. So um, before we get into that, I want (laughs) to let's let's um, let's tell the the, I'd like to know, first of all, um, where where did you get the name of your podcast and why did you start your podcast? So uh, tell us tell us a little bit about that first, first and foremost.
0: Well, you know what? I mean, a lot of it was flying by the seat of my pants. I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, even even my podcast picture, I just snapped a selfie, went into, like, quick photo editing, threw on some, uh, some lettering on it, and it just seemed to work out. And it, it was honestly because, well, I started at the beginning of the pandemic. Actually, scratch that. I bought all the gear for the podcasting at the beginning of the pandemic, as soon as the lockdown hit, which was March 2020 uh, mm-hmm. in Vancouver. And I finally worked up the courage to actually record something. I think it was in August of that year. So I sat there staring at the equipment for about five months, finally worked (laughs) up the courage to record something, put it out. And it was honestly because I just wanted to try to show a different side of blue collar, specifically trades and construction workers, because, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, in the media or in uh, you know, if you if you watch any sitcom, it's just this plumber comes into the background of the scene, he's mumbling, he's bumbling, and he's got his ass out of his pants, right? And <laughs> that that's all you ever see out of tradespeople, right? So I, I just wanted to make a platform where you could kind of we could get into more deeper discussions and just show a different side to trades and construction service workers. And that was that was my original goal. And since then, you know, like any podcast, you kind of you're finding out your journey along the way right but i'm yeah. i'm enjoying it i'm loving it it's definitely helped keep me somewhat sane some would argue <laughs> over over this whole lockdown but uh yeah i'm loving it and then until i you know until that love wanes i'm gonna keep doing it i hear you and um i i, I what i find is the common denominator
1: when i speak to so many pod, fellow podcasters is a lot of them started during uh the pandemic and like you and we again saw this off air is like, it's more, you know, it's been like therapy for us. So, and uh, met some, some great people, such great people across the country, even some Americans. And uh, it's been great. So uh, it's certainly helped me. I look forward to Thursday nights now. And um, I look forward to last week. I was, I was uh, a couple weeks ago, I was a guest host on, uh, um, on another podcast uh, between the liars. And it was, it was just fantastic. I just love meeting other people um so yeah i, I it just um it, you know it, it just it, like i said for me it's like therapy without having to pay for it so uh pat says hi guys hi pat dad's worldwide look at that stash looking
0: good zach all <laughs> that's, right so. that's brendan and that's a podcast you might like to listen to too i've, I've been on that one and he's been on mine we actually talked about a topic that I'm sure we'll touch on here, but on, on his, he's an, uh, an American guy okay. and we were, we were talking about the freedom convoy and I was kind of giving the perspective from a Canadian yes. recently. So I'm sure we'll touch on that tonight a little bit, but that's Brendan. Their podcast is with yeah. too. So thanks yeah, for, thanks for uh, watching.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks Brendan. Uh, I know that he subscribed this uh, today to my ig and my youtube and i did uh, same thing reciprocated so looking forward to when i have some time to to listen to them and yeah. definitely we'll be having a chat thanks so much for watching tonight um so um you know i i how how have um how as as what's going on in terms of the the subjects that you're touching on your podcast uh, are you just making it are you talking about more trades people or are you just a tradesperson or you're just making what's happening right now in the news or you're trying to
0: merge both of them? How is that being? Well, nowadays, it's a little bit trickier. Like at the beginning, I found that I was focusing a lot more on trades, on things that were applicable specifically to trades. It's again, it's something that I'm passionate about. I've been in it for 17 years. It's just about the only vocation that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it. I, I still to this day, I love it. And uh, but lately, you know, I mean, everything just the way that, you know, politically, everything's been kind of dragging on, especially in Canada, it does, I have kind of been centering more on that, I'd say kind of, honestly, almost since the Canadian election, just because everything became so heavily politicized at that point. Um, And so it's dealing with a lot of that. And, you know, the one thing that I find about podcasting, and I find it when I'm listening to other people, too, is that as long as the host is engaged and interested in the, the topic that he's discussing, it, that I find is the most important thing because you can hear that passion. And if if I'm not invested in the topic that I'm talking about, I can't expect anybody else to be. So to me, it's just right now, it's more current events, what's going on. But at the same time, I'm a, I am love history. I'm a big history buff. So I try to tie it into that. And a lot of what I read is typically history, you know, uh, uh, 21st century related or sorry, mm-hmm. 20th century related. So, um, but yeah, it's, A lot of it is focusing on current events nowadays.
1: So I find that we share a lot of common things here in terms of love of history, a love of political and politics and political issues. And I think that's a great segue to start off in terms of what we wanted to discuss tonight. And let me start by saying, and we said it again before at the beginning of the show, is, um, I mean, Canadian politics is literally writing the script for us. So (laughs) I'm going to say, what what is going on, Zach? (laughs) have we lost our mind i mean right canadians have always been known as this gentile polite uh hockey loving country and now we seem to be in the news for all the wrong reasons (laughs) for all literally all the wrong reasons and we're gonna get all into that but let's start by of course the news of the week uh so for those of you that do not know Uh, the Liberals and the NDP uh, leadership have reached a deal to support the Trudeau government uh, to 2025. So now let me put this into context context for you, whoever is listening or watching. A minority government, which the Liberals uh, currently have, usually on average in Canadian history, has averaged about a year and a half to two years where in which they can no longer pass budgets. They lose the confidence of the government and the confidence vote is passed and boom back triggers another election. So now by the sheer genius, and apparently this, I don't know if you know, this has been in the works since the end of 2021, Zach. Of
0: Um, course it has. They got to make it look like this is all a a grand plan, not not an emergency neck breaking.
1: Oh, we got to react to this. Nobody likes us anymore. Yeah. So basically what this means, again, go back into context is this agreement would mean that the NDP would back liberals in any confidence vote. Okay. So very, very, very important is that this differs from a formal coalition arrangement. Okay. In a coalition, typically two or more of the parties share the responsibility of governing with each party represented in the cabinet. This is not the case here. Okay. What they're calling this is a confidence and supply agreement. Uh, was presented to the NDP MPs for a vote late Monday night and of course it passed. so um, and in exchange, okay basically um, the NDP is gonna get what they want, okay which is pharmacare and dental care programs and of course uh, the liberals get to keep the uh, keep power now i'm gonna I'm gonna give you my the way I look at this okay? Uh, First first of all, this has never been done in in Canadian history, in in Canadian political history. Um, I have a problem with this is because if you're trying to sell this to me that you're doing it for the Canadian people, we all know that's Mm -hmm. bullshit. Uh, So in this case, I have a problem with the fact that what is the purpose of the opposition party? The opposition party is there to keep the governing party, the minority party in check. Right. So at Mm -hmm. this point, right, here we go. That this now both of these parties could do what they want, and then basically the conservatives have no say in anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, So this completely, completely dilutes the confidence that any—if if there was any left—anyway, by Canadians in our parliamentary system. Um, I'm I'm flabbergasted by this. I mean, coming from from Jack Meet Singh, the leader of the NDP party, that at every chance, of course, lambasted him. Uh, Trudeau, the leader of the Liberal Party, but then just keeps voting for him in the, the confidence vote and the budget vote and any motion. Um, I, I I don't know what to say anymore. I I don't know what to say. I, I'm completely dumbfounded
0: by this. Well, what? me too. And to me, like, you know what? What I immediately think of is what if I'm an NDP voter. And now all of a sudden, you know, I was voting, which I wasn't, but what if I voted for the NDP? I wanted their platform, I didn't agree with the liberals, and now all of a sudden your power or your the party that you voted for just goes in about face and backs everything that the liberals are doing. Like, would you not feel like you threw your vote away? Like if they're just gonna sell, sell their, you know, soul to the to Trudeau and the liberals, like why did I bother voting for you? to me like that, that was immediately what I thought of is if I were an NDP voter, how would I feel if all of a sudden my party just said, nah, screw it. We're going to back everything that they say just to avoid an election because, you know, our polling numbers are looking terrible right now. There's no way we're going to get in. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, that, that was immediately what I I thought of, but yeah, you made a, a lot of good points there. It's, 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 it's almost, I don't know. It's a, it's a disgrace to, you know, our government, the way, the way that it's set up, the way that it's supposed to operate. And like you said, I mean, this, you know since 2015 and trudeau's um his kind of reign as prime minister started uh, there have been a lot of firsts in the canadian government <laughs> we, we can just say that
1: <laughs> again I, again and i mean which actually let me okay let's 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 tackle what they got a time here see you brought up again another great point is i'm an ndp voter i did not vote for the liberals mm-hmm. and and another thing And and again, please, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want any hate here, guys. Uh, Well, it's not like I'm not going to get it. I'm going to get it anyway. It doesn't matter. But how important is dental care? Your dental care and pharma care is so important in already in a socialized um, uh, healthcare system that we already have that you're willing to sell your soul to the devil, number one, and number two, Let's call this what it is: is that the NDP, knowing they're never gonna govern, never, they're never gonna win a majority, they're never gonna win a vote in this country. Says, so "Let me." So they're so desperate. Let me approach them and let me go with it. Mm. So um, it, it, it's 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 it really disheartening. It's disheartening that uh, that we know that if they manage to, I mean, obviously, and how is this gonna work exactly? How is this gonna work exactly? You're telling me. That any vote, any budget, let's say they come, um, they come on the next budget because I think there's going to be another three, at least another three budgets until yep. the end of their term at 2025, October. And there's something in that budget that the NDP doesn't like. and They're still going to vote for it. And 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 another thing, no one seems to be able to, and, and I've been watching other podcasts that I do. Is this, that is there such a thing as a written contract between these two, these two uh, parties?
0: That'd be interesting. I, I can't imagine that they could actually put this in writing. I can't imagine that, but I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, it's the first time ever. Right. So who knows? Like the, I I can't imagine it's in writing though.
1: Uh, Dads worldwide says, um, what the government always does stuff for the people, <laughs> it's always for the people. It says the government always does stuff for the people. That's why the cop and the horse trampled that elderly person. It was for them, yeah. Of
0: course, absolutely.
1: Yeah, um, I thought you had socialized medicine that doesn't include dental,
0: um, it doesn't actually.
1: It doesn't, but you know what I found out today, Zach? And that's What's a great up? question, thanks. Uh, that this was actually being spoken about another uh, um, Montreal podcast. You should check them out with the Pantelis, uh, uh comedy network uh, podcasting, the morning show. They were talking about it and they asked, uh, they looked into it and they said that in socialized um, healthcare in Canada, you can go to the hospital. If it's a major um, root canal, um or or i'm not sure about cavity but i think it's root canal or gum disease or something like that you can go and get it for free that is true i've
0: i've had a co-worker that had that where it's an emergency operation and they can do it at the hospital you're you're correct yeah
1: okay so so that 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 i did not know that actually i just see you learn every day um pat says by 2025 the damage will be irreversible Pat, I, I'm going to argue that the the damage is already irreversible <laughs> and I'm laughing. So <laughs> I know what can you do at this point? <laughs> what am I going to do? Uh, Mike Andrew. Hey, Mike, thanks for tuning in. Lou, I sent you a picture. It explains everything. Okay. I'm going to check that out. Mike. um, yeah, let's, let's, um, it, uh, how, <laughs> okay, let's get, but we'll go back to Pat's point. Like, first of all, inflation at an all time high. You're printing money for the last two years when we should have been going back to work and not being paid SERB payments for yep. at least, I'll give them a benefit of the doubt, maybe six months, maybe even a year into the pandemic, but not yep. two years. No. Um, let everyone go back to work. Let everyone earn a living. Um, so we got inflation. Um, we have a complete loss of confidence in government by the trucker convoy. Uh, We have a government that's literally insulting (laughs) their own people. Uh, We have another, another party, the NDP that lies through their teeth and is in cahoots with this liberal party. Um, They consistently consistently say, we got to go green shutting down all oil. And obviously you're moving to Alberta. So you're going to definitely appreciate that. (laughs) <laughs> and they have this, they have this, um, this, this, uh, this dream that you could tomorrow morning turn off the switch of the oil and say, oh. "Let's go green. We're going yep. electric, everybody." Yeah, uh, guys, it doesn't work that way. You need a transitional plan.
0: It doesn't work that way, and especially when we're in Canada. I mean, let's let's look at the facts here. Like we are a cold country. Like I know I've seen a lot of stuff where it's talking about the CO emissions, you know, by world standards, I think Canada produces 1.9% of the entire world's CO2. Mm -hmm. Okay. So are we going to be the lever that changes global warming? We're not. No, we're 1.9% of global output. Now, the other thing that's interesting is again like we're so then people will point out well per capita per person we have fairly high co2 emissions and it's like that fair enough like i i'm not going to argue that you also have to look at the climate that we live in like are we just going to turn off everybody's heat because it requires fossil fuel presently to heat our homes to keep people living so what is the cost benefit here like what, you're right you ideally everything is going to go into something that's a little bit more Uh, sustainable. But again, it's not a flick of the switch. You can't just turn off all the taps to to the oil output. And then all of a sudden, you know, people's lights stay on, people's cars stay running, everything keeps going. It it doesn't work like that.
1: So in in doing all those are all great points in doing all this, Zach, I realized, and I didn't even know this. I'm I'm kind of disappointed myself that I didn't know this, but yes, I understand if we're going to make this transition to renewable energy and that I'm fine with that. But how have we for all these years and i don't know how many years um continually bought oil from other countries when we have are we this are, are we we could we could we have we could produce enough oil to sustain all of canada and united states
0: and we've got uh, huge I mean, oil reserves huge.
1: i'm not sure if everybody knows this and and it it's it's absurd to me that we buy our oil from OPEC countries, including Russia, including Saudi Arabia, including Iran and Venezuela, when we have it right in our own backyard, it's incredible. And another thing, right, in a time of inflation, in times of job search, you're, while you're making that transition, these two parties are consistently shutting down job creation in the oil industry. Mm-hmm the oil and gas and natural gas it's 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 i use this again but i'm telling. it's criminal it's we're we're holding down our own people
0: it is and i mean oil is like financially it's the backbone of canada right like we have obviously there's a where i live in bc presently there's a lot of uh, tourism there's a lot of fishing there's forestry like we have a lot of natural resources this side too but i mean The Albertan oil fields like that is the economic driver of Canada. And it it could be it should be like we're talking about. I I think I saw an article or a headline today. Anyway, I don't think I read it, but uh, talking about increasing output uh, from the oil sands. So, again, me heading there. I'm happy to hear that. And you're right. The other and the other biggest thing around that, you know, you you listed off a bunch of the OPEC countries that we do import from Um, as far as the human rights side of it. We have the most ethically sourced oil in the world. you know what it's it's hard to it's harder to pull out of the ground being that it's the tar sands like again i've actually already worked four and a half five years in the oil field like even a lot of a lot of one of the things that i noticed a lot is when i would come back you know uh, some people would say this stuff about the oil sands and about how terrible it is but i would explain to them even some of the regulations that we had when i was working there and this was about eight years ago that i left the oil field but again i'm obviously going back Um, but like, for example, our environmental controls, if I had a bottle of water, because that water was imported, it wasn't drawn out of the ground from there. I'm not allowed to pour that water on the ground because that's, I'm then tainting the ground. Like they took it that seriously. When we would do a dig for a, a trench, we were running electrical cables under the ground between buildings. It would be taken out by, uh, it was eight to 12 inch layers. So the top layer would be stored separately. Then the next 12 inches would be stored separately. And it all has to go back in, in the exact same order because you can't disturb the ground. And if you had ever drove by like a reclamation site, for example, which is where they have, they have developed it, they've drawn the oil out of the oil sands, and then they have to put it back the way it was. You would never be able to tell that there was ever any production going on there. It is forested. It's grass. There's, you couldn't tell that anything ever happened there. The, the reclaimed areas of Alberta are honestly nicer than the other areas of Alberta. Like it's just, it's lush, it's green. Like, so, I mean, a lot of the time, but a lot of the time people don't see that, right? You see, you see one shot from the refineries at CNRL in Fort Mac, and you assume that everything is like that and that it is ugly, but industry can be ugly at times, right? Like there are portions of it that it's, it's mechanical, it's machinery, it's, you know i'm not saying it's perfect and again we both echoed the sentiments that hopefully one day we can transition to something that's more renewable but in the meantime where we are we have to sustain what what we're living off of right and uh but it's just it's incredible because a lot of people have never actually been out there they've never seen it they don't know the safety regulations or the reclamation process or even the construction process and how to the letter you have to follow it like i took ground disturbance training i've taken all this different stuff and i've seen the way that we carry out construction there it's like nothing i've ever seen on the west coast in bc the wow i i'm yeah.
1: I, i'm just just on what you just said i'm glad that i have you on this evening oh yeah. um, uh, uh, wow okay so hold on so you're telling me, uh, let me let me let me ask you this question i'm not sure so once this this um a certain area has been used Okay. Yep. And it's reclamated and it's, and it's complete and everything has been taken out of this certain area. What do they do with this area? What can be done to this area? Is it automatically forested again or, or can, can homes be built And How, how does, how does that work?
0: It has to be brought back to the original state of the land. So if it had, uh, trees, grass, fields, it has to go back like that. You can't just have, you know, a raised area of ground and then now build buildings on it. Okay. It gets put back to the natural state. So Um, I mean, I, I imagine that there would probably be some areas where they would allow for something, but anything that I've ever seen, like it, it has signs up, you know, this is a reclaimed site by Husky, or this is a reclaimed site by any one of the big shell, whatever, any one of the big oil companies, right. That are up there. And it's just lush. Like it has to go back to how it was. And I'm not saying that there isn't economic impacts of taking it out of the ground, all that stuff. I understand that. But I, the idea there is that they have to bring it back to its, its status pre-construction, pre-pulling that oil out of the ground. And it's it's very serious. Like they they have to put it back that way.
1: So basically, um if that's the case, Zach, um why such opposition to it?
0: Because nobody goes up there and takes a look. Nobody does, right? Like you see oil is bad and immediately that's it. Oil is bad no matter what. Um but then again like you like we had talked about even so this is just looking at the uh uh, like the environmental impact, the after impact of it, but we haven't even touched on the human rights. You know, the fact that yes. these are these are Canadians, these are immigrants, these are temporary foreign workers. These are there's tons of people who are employed in the oil oil sands, and these are high paying jobs. Yes. They take safety very seriously in Canada. We have some of the safest sites in the world, and you know, along with that comes high pay. It comes good benefits. Like I can tell you personally, I've never had a job that paid like what the oil sands did. It it was incredible. You get you know you're you're compensated for your work there, and that same can't be said for every country on the planet. Like this this provides sustainable jobs for people. It provides the most economically friendly oil development in the world, and at, at the same time, again, like there's the human rights. There isn't human rights violations attached to it. You aren't getting blood oil. So
1: so basically, what you're telling me in a nutshell is that this is virtual signaling, right? <laughs> it takes, No, so, so it takes right. So let me let me explain. To, uh, this is how it works, right? Hollywood tells you there's a global problem. Canada's mm-hmm. the problem. Let's stop mm-hmm. making oil because I need to be the flavor of the day, and I need to show that I'm I'm Pierre, Tr- uh, Pierre Trudeau. Jesus, there's another slip of the tongue. <laughs> that's not the first time I've done that. I'm Justin Trudeau, and I believe in everything that's fair, and I'm woke. And let me. Oh, okay. What's the flavor of the month? Okay, it's chocolate. Okay, let's vote for chocolate. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, so. This time it's oil is a problem, right? Even though you've made it very clear and eloquently that uh, Canada is not a problem when it comes to gas house emissions on a global scale. Um, so let me have a problem. But, you know, you see like those pictures, right, of the uh, the landscape being um, worked on in, in, in Alberta. Mm-hmm. But then do you really see, okay, you want to go electric? Do you think electric, first of all, is any better? Where do you think the batteries come from, guys?
0: Has anybody ever seen a strip mine? Yeah. (laughs) I can tell you, I've also worked in underground mining, but mind you, that was hard rock tunneling and that was for gold and silver. It wasn't for lithium, cobalt and all the the battery gear. But I can tell you, I've seen pictures of strip mining and uh, that's not a walk in the park.
1: No. And not only that, if you want to transition everybody in electric cars, people, there's not enough battery and lithium and whatever else we need, ingredients for battery for all the cars in the world Basically, we might have just called it the end of the world. So, you know, this virtual signaling, I believe that there could be a, you know, a multi-system, whether it be wind energy, um, solar, gas. Why can't we look at that as an option? No, let's go from 100 to zero in two seconds. Shut everything down. Mm -hmm. It makes no sense. It it literally makes no sense to go into this with no plan at all. So. Let's read some, um, some comments. Mike says, we have more oil than the Saudis. Yep, we, we do have that. Unbelievably so. Uh, that's worldwide. We buy it from countries that don't like us, hate us. 15 of the 19 of the 9-11 hijackers were from Saudi Arabia. Uh, my good friend, Tony Cheech, thanks for um, tuning in, too. Depending on the price of a barrel of crude, our oil is not always financially feasible. Don't remember what the price has to be uh to be worthwhile. That's a good point, Tony. That is a good um, point. And again, and that
0: goes that goes into the fact that the cost of raw oil it's it's harder to extract from the ground in the way that it is in the oil sands. And also back to that reclamation of the sites, right? Because that those costs all are part of it. You also have to put that land back to the way it was before.
1: Well, you know, on that end, I mean, it doesn't mean that we have to have. It, it's just it, I don't know. It even what the price Zach and even at the price though anyway the way the government throws money around even if it's if it you know what is it, money what is money yeah. at this point <laughs> um, hey what are you talking about first of all the balance the, the budget will balance itself okay Zach? oh right right, right, right. yeah right, about that, right? about that <laughs> yeah
0: I guess we'll just wait until 2025.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly um that's worldwide says the corporate media gets told who is the devil and do, and they do what they're told absolutely Pat says, Luigi, they have an agenda and they will conquer. It's biblical. You know what? <laughs> I'm starting to believe all this nonsense. i really I really am zach and 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 I never thought I would, but the things that I've seen and the with my own eyes, what we've been through the last two years, let me tell you, um, it's opened my eyes, and i I see things differently. I see things differently. Let me just go back to this agreement, uh just to close it off. Uh, Under a supply, a confidence and supply agreement, an opposition party agrees to support the government on specific measures under specific conditions and to not vote to defeat the the government for a period of time. So when I'm looking at this, it looks like it it, it almost looks like there's going to be actual an agreement, an actual contract.
0: Yeah. It does sound like it when you read that. And to me, like the, uh, the, like the way that that's worded, it sounds like you're talking about a short-term thing. It's like, all right, you know, we'll prop you up for the next six months if we can get A, B and C done. Right. Like that's the way it sounds like not three years. Like this is, this is insane to me.
1: Absolutely. And right. I mean, the, the, uh, the reaction was swift and, uh, and, you mean been crazy. I mean, uh, Candace Bergen, the interim conservative leader, said this is an NDP liberal attempt at government by blackmail. Nation building is replaced by vote buying, secret deal making over parliamentary debate and opportunism over accountability, she said. Well, of course, liberals are fantastic at no avoiding debate on anything. Right. Yeah. We don't have to go too far back in, in history. What a couple of months? <laughs> oh, yeah, try right? try weeks
0: at this point. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, not even back a months. What am,
1: I, what am I yeah. talking about? So, but the thing is that now, this agreement, this this so called um, whatever power and what, what, what was it called? I already forgot what this confidence and supply agreement. Yeah. Anyway, yep. um, this is going to lead and 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 here now in our backyard, our our um, premier. Uh, Legault, which I'm no fan of, but that's irrelevant at this point, um, came out right away and says, hold on your horses, buddy, Mr. Jagmeet, and and, and, uh, uh, what you're talking about here, healthcare, that's on a provincial level. Mm -hmm. Who are you? You're going to give us our money and we're going to do what we want with it. Mm -hmm. So... He, he says both of these potential programs fall under exclusive provincial jurisdiction, and he adds that the Liberals and NDP are very centralizing political parties. He says that the Liberal NDP alliance will hit a wall if it tries to talk Quebec how to spend federal health transfers, adding that Ontario Premier Doug Ford, his new buddy, by the way, agrees with him that Ottawa sh- should not try to involve itself in areas of provincial jurisdiction, such as health care, and we have a very, very strong common front with my fellow premiers. Mm. So this is going to be pretty interesting.
0: Well, it is interesting. And I mean, the Liberal Party has become kind of more and more centralized over the last, well, specifically the last, I guess, five years. Well, no, the last two years specifically, right? Like we've seen it um, really start to pick up steam. And that is interesting to, to be coming from, because obviously Quebec has had a uh, traditionally kind of strained relationship with the federal government. You, know, you don't historically, say historically, yeah. You don't say, uh, and much like, but you know what? I must say, though, that feeling is obviously emerging quite heavily out of the West now, too. Now, That's, mainly it's coming out of Alberta. I can't wait to get there, but then, uh, it's also, you know, like the it apart from the very centralized city core around Vancouver. I mean, in BC, BC is a very conservative province as well, outside of the outside of the kind of concentrated seats uh in in the lower mainland in and around vancouver so you know there's a lot of that uh a lot of empathy for that that wexit idea as well in bc and uh yeah i mean i think i think like you said i think a lot of these provincial premiers are are pretty fed up with some of the stuff that's going on the federal federal government not all of them obviously some of them are are right on board with it you know ours john horgan here i BC is insane. BC, we still have the vaccine mandate in place. So like BC is insane. But anyway, um, yeah. So I mean, like, I, I can understand, especially where the province of Quebec is coming, coming at that, telling them how to spend their their money on healthcare. And uh, but yeah, that that sentiment is definitely getting stronger out west as well. Yeah, they're definitely gonna hit a wall. And 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 then what happens then?
1: Right? Yeah. You know what's gonna happen. It's gonna happen, it's inevitable. Yeah. Um, so They're that gonna have a referendum, <laughs> oh, Jesus! it's, it's going to be, it's going to be very, very well That I mean, that's, is that going to have an effect on the coalition or the alliance, whatever you want to call it. It's going to yep. be interesting, right? Because if there is, if there is, um, hesitance and I'm sure there will be on the premier level, uh, on the provincial levels as well, with all the premiers, um, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen because well, you mean, even, yeah, I mean, you're sorry you want to say something
0: i was just going to say you even saw a lot of pushback when the emergencies act was enacted like you saw a lot of the provinces i i don't know the exact number of them but uh a large majority of them were saying hey we don't need this like we don't want this we're voting against this like we have it under control here and uh yeah so i mean i do think that there is going to be growing tension between the federal government and the provincial governments governments but uh We'll see where that goes because, I mean, again, like I know that uh, there's a lot of tension coming out of Alberta, and there's always that underlying tension out of Quebec. So it'll be it'll be interesting, man.
1: I've you know I've always said that, first of all that, and that's a great segue to our next uh, subject, which I wanted to talk about tonight. But uh, but on what you just said as well is, I mean, I've never seen the country so divided. I never have, never. And to think that it's literally one person that is responsible for all this it, it's pretty it's pretty sad and frightening to see how one person can have such um impact and damage to our country but yet there's still enough people to vote for him i i yeah. just i don't get it i really don't zach and i i, I suffer i i really suffer with this I, I i can't comprehend it and to the point that i'm gonna question people that tell me that they're gonna they're gonna vote for him I, I will, I, and and I promised I I would never let it get to that point. But at this point, I got to question the sanity of someone that's going to vote for this fucker. I, I felt
0: the same way in twenty twenty one. The way that he had he had ran his campaign when they had the the uh, interim election there, I felt the exact same way. And one thing that I'm even trying to focus on, I I talked about it on a recent episode with a guest that I had. But I'm <clears throat> I'm trying to organize an episode, but it's so hard to find anybody like to to talk to like on the other aisle, because obviously like if you have, if you have a podcast like yours, like you're going to attract generally like like-minded people, right? Like they're yes. gonna, that's who your audience is going to be. So I'm trying to find somebody who, who ha who is on board with all of the steps so far, preferably a Canadian, because obviously Canada is different than mm-hmm. the States and where we are. But like the whole topic of the show is going to be, where do we go from here? Because, you know, we can have very different views on the way that this whole pandemic has rolled on and on the response. But the fact of the matter is that, like we've all got to go through this future together. Like we've got to navigate what's with the road that we're going down together. And there, there has to be a way to bring it back because you're right. Like the division across the country, I have, uh, I've never seen anything like it ever in Canadian history. And obviously I'm in my thirties. So it's not like I have a huge window to look back on, Mm -hmm. but, but I've never felt it like this. It is, it's so heated. It's so divided. And yeah, like, I just don't know where we go from here. I don't know how we repair a lot of these, these bridges that have been, Bombed, nuked, napalmed—like we've got to, we got to find some way to rebuild them.
1: I, I don't know. Uh, and and of course, you mentioned again uh, a big part of that was the aftermath of uh, the dealing of how they handled how the liberals handled the Freedom Convoy in Ottawa. And I, I really wanted to talk about this to to finally put a um, to close this chapter. I really wanted to, and and I sent you the article, and I I found that it, it I felt that um sort of i was right i was right whether you whether you agreed with it or not it was no one's right to tell me what i could have done with my money or was no one's right to tell me how i felt if i was supporting these truckers because of all the nonsensical bullshit that Mm -hmm. he was saying when he went on a french show remember that one and he says he called them misogynistic racist and nazis and and you know what I, I anyway, I'm no. I'm not going to say it. Forget it. Um, I just uh, so so when I came across, <laughs> I no, I have uh, a lot. Of, I have
0: a lot of moments like that too. where I'm like, well, no, it, no, I should. Because I was called, and and I could
1: deal with it. I understand. I put myself out there, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me. I understand yep. that I put myself out there, right? And and you could ridicule me, you could make fun of me. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But when you, um, verbatim say that I'm a racist, misogynistic. Um, so I support that because I support the freedom convoy because your prime minister said this, mm-hmm. I have a huge problem with that. I have a huge problem with that. So right now I feel a lot, uh, what we're about to share right now after the investigation into, um, uh, the testimonies and the investigation into the justification for using the emergencies, uh, measures act. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, when you feel, um, um, vindicated, vindicated, vindicated. Yeah.
0: I was going to say justified, but vindicated is justified,
1: perfect. vindicated. So I'm yep. going to, I'm going to share with you, we're going to share with you and we're going to discuss this on what our prime minister said about the freedom convoy. Okay. So the first thing was that, um, there was wealthy foreign donors. So let's start by saying during the Commons finance committee on March 17th, GoFundMe president. Juan Benitez dismissed the claims that foreign millionaires had bankrolled the freedom convoy. According to Benitez, his platform did not discover any large donors that would have raised red flags suggesting foreign influence. Were there any large donors that would have stuck out and that would have raised red flags in terms of perhaps trying to influence the outcome of this podcast uh, of this protest, excuse me, conservative MP Ed Fast asked during the testimony. We did not discover that. No, said Benitez. As we reviewed the donations, we did not identify significant donations or patterns that were there. My question to you, Zach, on yeah. this first point, is why would a private company like GoFundMe agree to close this this ten million dollar account at that point, ten or eleven million dollar, even think about redistributing it to other uh, charities? First of all, who are you? I donated $50 to this cause. $50. Yep. i am going to say yep. it here. I don't care. I donated yep. $50 of my money. Who are you to say that my $50 is going to go to your chosen charity? That's number one. Number two, why would a privately held company agree to close an account when a government is telling you all this bullshit that now has been proven all of these? I think we're going to discuss five or six claims that have all been proven to be false. Mm-hmm. Why would GoFundMe agree to do this?
0: Well, it's again, it's it's just bending to public pressure, right? It, and it was the second, honestly, it's the second that Trudeau labels people that way, right? Like, um, obviously, okay, so this is the one thing that really, really bothers me about the way that, that that convoy and the attacks on it were done is, so yes, there was there were two flags that were obviously... Um, in very poor taste. They were, you know, there was one Nazi flag that was seen. Now, if you see the pictures of that though, and I see you shaking your head too, this is the same response that I have. But if you see the pictures of that, it's from, you know, probably a couple hundred feet away. You see four people hanging out with this freshly crisp, just unwrapped Nazi flag posing for pictures. Okay. With their own private little photographer way at the corner. All right. So they've got masks on too. I don't know if anybody is familiar with it, but um, nobody in the freedom convoy was wearing masks. So if you see somebody like that, that should be a red flag pretty quick. Uh, so anyway, so that was way off to the side. It got denounced by everybody. The last time that I had seen, uh, an update for it from the freedom convoy, because they were funding a, a basically, um, a reward for anybody who could name who it was, who had mm-hmm. that Nazi flag. The last time I saw it, it was up to $6,700 and that was funded by the freedom convoy itself to try to find out who that was. Now, the other flag that was seen in there was uh, the Confederate flag. That guy got chased out of the convoy and got threatened to get his ass kicked. And he got chased out of the convoy, out of the protest. So the, so again, so it's okay to label every single person who uh, identifies or supports the freedom convoy protest as a supporter of these two flags, But I don't know if you saw any of the footage out of the counter protests that were against the freedom, like who protests freedom, who who would, who would, so anyway, that, that alone blows my mind. But if you saw any of the footage of that, there were two signs specifically that I had saved. Now that's also not even talking about the hammer and sickle communist flags that were seen that again, um, murderous ideology, but you know, we don't Mm -hmm. have to touch on that. Now, other than that, they also had, there were two posters that I have pictures of saved in my phone. One was Uh, death to the unvaxxed and the other one was gas the unvaxxed yeah now am i supposed to now label anybody who doesn't agree with the freedom convoy protest as wanting to gas and kill anybody who is unvaccinated like if if am i going to label everybody like that now no of course not like those are two individuals who are idiots same with the two individuals who are carrying confederate and a racist or a nazi flag they're they're obviously you know I'm just going to say it like those are <laughs> racist flags, right? So yep. if, if that's the views that you align with, you are a moron. And those people should be isolated and you know, dealt with by themselves. But you can't label everybody under that same banner. Again, it's the same as labeling anybody who didn't support the Freedom Convoy as wanting to gas and exterminate un- unvaccinated people. I'm not going to identify that to all of you. That's unfair. It's stupid. Yeah. People should be judged on individual acts and individual merit, not as a group. The same concept goes both ways, right?
1: Exactly. Same, concept, same same concept goes both ways. And I love what you said. Who protests, who anti-protests the protest for freedom? Oh my, it, it's like, insane to me.
0: It is insane to me that, that, that this is the world that we're in. It is insane to me.
1: Yeah, but you know what? You know what, Zach? It makes me really think you're telling me, and I know this happens, that the government didn't have anything to do with this, that they didn't plan <laughs> this with a bunch of actors. I'm serious. Zach, well, t- I, I've I've gotten to that point, Zach. Oh, I I'm with you. I, I, no one could, po- no one could possibly. No one's gonna convince me. I don't care. No one's gonna convince me that people said I'm gonna leave my house. I'm gonna go to Ottawa, okay? Because I want to protest, anti-protest the protesters for freedom. Mm-hmm. No one's gonna. No one's gonna convince me. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm.
0: No, me neither. And I mean, I'm sure. Like it's the same with, you know, my opinion is that, you know, the the guy with the Nazi flag was probably a plant too. You know, that, that's my opinion. Obviously, I'm not I have no proof of that. I'm not trying to trying to say that there's proof of that. That's just my opinion. But you're you're completely right. It's I don't know. It is it is crazy to me the, the state of the division in Canada. And again, the fact that we have people protesting um other people's rights to bodily autonomy.
1: So listen, uh, Pat has a great a great idea here. He says, I say let's trade, uh, trade Trudeau to Russia for a bag of pucks. I'm in. Let's get the general managers on for this uh, Team Canada and we'll get it done. Yeah. Mike Andrew says CBC is always giving us fake news about the convoy. We're going to get into that. Don't worry about it, Mike. They were involved so he, he's convinced and uh, I don't know if Russia would agree to that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so either. Pat the trades <laughs> off, Pat, the trades off. <laughs> uh, what is my buddy Tony seeing? Never mind the flags. These ass wipes held an entire city hostage for several weeks and blocked one of the Canada's largest commercial bridges for several days. Tony, I love you, buddy. But it's not gonna happen, man. I don't care.
0: I don't you know care. What? I, 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 like to, to me, I can understand the frustration with especially the bridges, the the borders. Yep. I can understand the frustration. It's I don't know. I mean, to me, like, and that's why, like, I've had discussions in, um, like, just person to person, where I like people will say, you know, like, I, I can't remember. I said something about the 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 freedom convoy when it was happening, right? And they would express that they were upset. And I said, you know, which part of it are you upset about? Are you upset about the, um, reasoning behind the protest, or are you upset about the way that it's carried out? Like the the mm-hmm. kind of the, because I think that those are two separate opinions. Yes. Because yes, because I can totally feel for people who are upset with the way that it was carried out, especially the border blockades. Okay. Like I find holding the downtown city core hostage. I don't think that's accurate, but like as far as the border blockades, like I can understand people's frustration with that, you know? And, and so to me, those are two different points. You can, you can support the movement, the, the messaging behind it while being frustrated with the way that it was carried out. Again, I'm talking specifically about the border blockades, but because I, I'm, you know, the idea of, you know, uh, somehow causing PTSD in downtown Ottawa residents because they heard honking is uh, 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 please. But uh, yeah, but as far as the border blockades go, I do understand frustration with that. And, you know, at the same time, I empathize with the idea that if you want to enact change, you have to force change. And sometimes, you know, that's so again, I can see both ways, of it, but I do understand the frustrations I, when I it could. comes to that stuff.
1: I could two yeah. things. I agree with you 100% on that um well first of all i mean when it comes to the borders it was peacefully didn't last too long peacefully mm-hmm. ended there was no there was no no violence it ended and that's it so second yep. thing just to add on and i've said this ad nauseum if you want you look at throughout history any change that has happened you no one's gonna again you look at change there's been change done by violence there's been change um Uh, change done by unscrupulous things Uh, so a lot of things that were unjust in history would not have changed unless it was it was done in a violent way to protest this way or to get someone's attention just as just the same way that this freedom convoy went to went about it and you know what guys it wasn't not that bad so come on let's call a spade a spade here um that's number one that's just number one number two RCMP saw no evidence of terrorist financing. Mm. Terrorist, what the fuck? Yeah. Despite the Liberal government treating convoy donations as terrorist financing and money laundering, which is one of the reasons why they could enact the Emergency Measures Act, a chief RCMP official stated that the federal policing force saw no evidence of terrorist involvement in the convoy's funding. First of all, where do you even come up with this idea? Where? Where? <laughs> I, 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 okay, uh, let me continue. RCMP Director of Financial Crime, Denis Baudouin, told parliamentarians during a March seven Commons Finance Committee meeting that terrorist activity wasn't on their radar at all. FinTrack, okay, so for those of you that do not know what FinTrack is, is they are the ones that um, look at all suspicious uh, financial activities. I know this because I work for financial institutions and mortgages and banks pretty much all my career. So Fintrack was before our committee, said conservative MP Philip um, Lawrence uh, Baudouin. They had some interesting testimony on the flow of the money into the crowdfunding and into the protests that they did not see any evidence of terrorist activity. Did you see any evidence of terrorist activity in the funding of these illegal protests and blockades? I have not, said Baudouin. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So, again, my question to you. Did, did he wake up like one morning on the head, maybe smash his head on the when and say, let me, what's, oh, terrorists. Yeah, terrorists. A Freedom Convoy terrorist. There's a good connection. Mm-hmm. What he come up with these things, Zach?
0: Well, it was anything to try to save face at that point, right? Like, to me, like, you have to go back to the very beginning of it, right? When they said, like, it was leaving. Again, like, it left, I forget, the Sunday morning, but we drove by the overpass. Again, we're about an hour and a half outside of Vancouver as they were coming by, right? Like, it was... It started out West and I can tell you, yeah, it it started, it was on its way out there, the world or like the country knew it was coming and you saw that especially once it made its way to, well, all the way across the country, they were shutting down highway cams as it went, right? So why would you do that? You're, you're trying to cover up the size of this thing, what's going on. And then especially once it came to Quebec, I have a bunch of screenshots on my phone, actually, from where I was pulling up uh, traffic systems throughout Quebec as it was getting close and you just have all these screens blacked out, right? So It was the fact that, you know, first it was deny that it even exists. Then it was downplay it. Then it was, ooh, we better tar and feather this thing because it's coming. And then it was, then you just got the whole propaganda, the, the labeling, that machine got spun into overdrive as it actually landed there. Because again, they tried to say the whole, whole way across that it wasn't coming or that it was a dozen people, right? Then all of a sudden it lands in the city core and they're like, oh shit, it is here. It does exist. We better start painting this thing as dirty as we can. And, you know, like the, the whole thing about it, I mean, when it comes from, you know, all six of these lies that we're going to go through that have been proven false, the, you know, the whole point of it was to try to discredit, instigate. Yeah. Yeah, not just discredit, I think, but it was actually to instigate because the longer that it stayed peaceful and even to the end, the fact that it stayed peaceful, you know, you saw bouncy castles. There were concerts going on. Like people were playing street hockey, cleaning up snow, cleaning up garbage. Like the longer that that thing stayed peaceful, the more it blew up in Trudeau's face and in the, the city of Ottawa's face, right? Because they were trying, the more they were trying to attack it, they're just trying to instigate violence or something to pop up. And I mean, I, I don't even know if it's in that article that you sent because this has finally just come out today, but even that supposed residential uh, apartment building arson yeah that's false too yeah Yeah. that just just in the last couple days they came out they caught the guy they said yeah he has nothing to do with the, the the freedom protest so you know that again that was the big that was the big glaring thing when the protest was in town it's like oh my god they tried to burn down a residential building no they didn't and that just came out and so no it was just it was trying to incite violence it was trying to get the protest to act violently because then again Look, the government knows how to deal with violence very well. They've got a playbook for that. They have no idea how to deal with peaceful non-compliance. If you just stand around or if you're standing around shoveling snow or cleaning up garbage, what are they going to do to you? And but then but if they had got if they were able to instigate it to get it to spark up to become violent, They've got a playbook for that. There's no problem. They can deal with that. They've got the the force to squash that. But when they're looking at this peaceful protest that keeps getting bigger and keeps, you know, they're just partying. They're having a good time. They're handing out free food. What do they do? It's just making them look stupid. So, yeah, all of those attacks were just trying to instigate it.
1: They have to resort to lying, basically. So, listen, I got to, I gotta, because what you said is is very important. (laughs) For those movements to work, you need the support of the majority of the population, which they did not have. Well, I'm going to argue with that again. Uh, How do we know? How do we know how the majority of Canadians, because like Zach said, I I don't know. I saw the movements. I saw this truck leaving from Vancouver all the way to Quebec. And let me tell you, I saw a lot of support there. And Mm -hmm. so did a lot of Canadians. You could shut off all the cameras you want on the 40 East and 40 Westbound, right? Coming from all sorts of people. You're telling me that they're not a majority. And you know what? Even if it wasn't a majority, it doesn't matter. I don't care. We, who's, who said, I never, no one said that we needed a majority. Mm-hmm. I th- I think, I think polls, polls, you're going to trust polls. I trust polls as, as far as I could throw my 12 year old. Okay. So yeah. I, I I'm sorry. I don't trust polls. And where did these polls come from? And you know what? I don't care because it's not about the majority. It's about just getting the attention. And you know what? I think it did serve its purpose. Forget about on the federal level because after miraculously you had all the provinces, right? listing <laughs> mandates and but it wasn't because of the it, but but it wasn't because of the uh of
0: course not convoy. of course not. no had oh. nothing to do with the convoy nothing to do with them okay so
1: next convoy was funded by foreigners nope wrong again our records show 88 percent of donated funds originated in canada and 86 of donors were from canada GoFundMe President Juan Benitez told the Commons Public Safety Committee on March 3rd. Mm -hmm. Most of the donations were under $100, said Give, Send, Go co-founder Jacob Wells. During the same meeting, it's pretty consistent across the board. All right, another like squashed. Number four, FinTrack officials says fed up people, not terrorists, funded convoy. So guys, let me explain to you who Fintrack is. Fintrack is the Financial Transactions and Reports Analysis Center of Canada. Okay, we love acronyms in Canada. <laughs> Deputy Director of Intelligence Barry McKillop also claims that money raised for the Freedom Convoy constituted terrorist financing. Nothing that says that. According to McCallop, the funds come from the pockets of Canadians who were fed up with COVID-19 measures. It was their own money. It wasn't cash to fund the terrorism or was in any way money laundering, told the Commons Finance Committee. These were people who supported the cause before it was declared illegal. There were people around the world who were fed up with COVID and were upset and saw the demonstrations. I believe they just wanted to support the cause. Wow. Zach, they weren't racist and misogynists. And Nazi lovers and and whatever else he called them. I I I ran out of uh, adjectives that he that we got called and that they uh, our, our our prime minister called
0: them. Oh, so yeah, you know, and, and you know, labeling them as these people take up space, and do we do we allow them that space? Yeah, like that that's criminal.
1: Guys, you have the deputy director, the deputy director of intelligence for FinTrack
0: saying this. Yeah. And I mean, again, like, like what those two points. So the first one was that most of the donations were under a hundred dollars. Again, mm-hmm. I donated a hundred bucks to the movement. I yeah. I supported it. I support the the message. Um, right. you're and making it a cheap now. Oh no, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I don't, <laughs> I don't so mean funny. to. Um, but yeah, we had, uh, but it's just, you know, it, it also speaks to the fact that this was so haywire, you know, like this isn't a professional protest, you know, this is a bunch of primarily blue collar Canadians who came together. And it's just it just spawned out of nothing. It spawned out of emotion out of out of people being fed up with the direction that the government is going in. So when you see like, the chaotic nature of it, like when nobody knows what to do, that's because it just sprung out of nothing. It sprung out of actual, like people's desire to, to back up these words to back up these feelings that they've had and somehow show the government that they've had enough like and I think that Just that fact alone, the fact that it isn't some professional protest where they're all set up, they're all organized, you know, it's that speaks louder to me than anything. The fact that this just spontaneously erupted out of Canada, of all places, like you said at the beginning, like what Canada is known for is being this kind of gentle, like accepting. And I think that we still are like, I think that the the fact that that protest was so peaceful and was so playful almost, you know, in the way that it was carried out that is like Canadian pride. Like I've never felt as proud to be a Canadian as when I was watching this thing roll across the country, seeing, you know, people coming out in negative 40 degree weather with their kids, their grandparents, like everybody just crowding around overpasses, crowding the side of highways, waving their flags. And then when, when it got there, you know, to just see people setting up hot tubs and street hockey arenas (laughs) and just making it a time like that. That's the most Canadian thing I've ever seen. And again, like just the fact that it came up out of nothing, it was, it was everyday working people who, who did this thing. And also I just, before I forget about it, because I wanted Mm -hmm. to touch back on again, the fact that, and I'm not saying that I agree with the border blockades. I I have mixed feelings about the border blockades. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I can see both sides of it, but sure. This, this is from pretty much the queen of like wokeism herself. So this was a a tweet from Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, right? Oh, Jesus. Uh, Right, right. But no, no, but listen to this. This is defending... Protests. And this is obviously before the freedom. Oh, my Con God. AOC.
1: Because, okay, let me hear
0: this. Oh, no, yeah. But this is not defending the freedom protest. But anyway, the whole point of protesting is to make people uncomfortable. Activists take that discomfort with the status quo and advocate for concrete policy changes. Popular support often starts small and grows. So again, even if it didn't have popular support, AOC says that's fine. Uh, to folks who complain, protest demands make others uncomfortable. That's the point. And that's from the queen of wokeism herself. <laughs> AOC so again but that's obviously only defending the protests when it's on her side of the aisle but of anyway course. I just figured I'd, I'd point that out because again hypocrisy love runs yeah hypocrisy love runs that. amok in 2022 oh, absolutely so. absolutely
1: so we got anyway. we got two more guys two more sorry All sorry right. fake fake excuse number five foreign extremists <laughs> We're not involved (laughs) in supporting the convoy. (laughs) In another testimony before the Commons Public Safety Committee on February 10th, McCallop said that there were no signs that was happening in Ottawa and it was a form of ideologically motivated violent extremism. The money, what's happening in Ottawa, has not been identified to my knowledge as ideologically motivated violent extremism. Thank you, Mr. McCallop. Thank you so much. And last, number six. No firearms discovered during the crackdown. Now, on March 24th, Ottawa Police Interim Chief Steve Bell told parliamentarians before the Commons Public Safety Committee that no loaded firearms were discovered when police moved in to arrest the truckers and their supporters. It's just a clear question, Interim Chief. Were weapons found? Were loaded firearms found? Yes or no? Asked Conservative uh, Lloyd. Um, Let me... No, not relating to any charges at this point. Prior to... This is the year. Again, it's going to go back to what uh, a few of you were saying. Prior to Bell's admissions, several media outlets spread that story that loaded firearms were found at the protest. Most recently, freelance reporter Justin Ling published an article in the Toronto Star alleging the same. So now, this all ties in to uh, our problems with the media, right? Because mm-hmm. obviously, we know that they are paid and bought for by the liberal government in the, uh, amount of $600 million bailout. So this is, this is guys, this is a huge problem. I think Canadians really need to wake up. You have a prime minister supported by his bot media telling you a narrative and everyone's buying this. Now, only months later, in front of parliamentary committees that the sixth staple of the lies that he justified to enact the Emergency Measures Act was all bullshit. Yeah. So it goes back to your question. Where do we go from here, Zach? Mm -hmm. And no one's going to pay the price for this. This guy could do whatever he wants. It's going to go back to our discussion we had why does it, with all the scandals and this one being the best, he's still there. He's still there.
0: I know. And even now, like, I mean, I know we had talked about it before, before we record, but even, uh, you know, in this, these EU parliamentary hearings, he's getting lambasted on the international scale. Right. Because, you know, all this stuff is coming out. And I think. You know, it's funny because social media can drive me nuts sometimes because, you know, it's the it's the spawn of, you know, um, what were we just talking about where you're uh, virtue signaling, right? Like that all happens because of social media. But what also happens because of social media is that you're able to see an on the ground report from what's actually happening. Like I imagine you were following the same things like I would I would be watching Instagram feeds from mainly like the Freedom Convoy page or. POC for Freedom Convoy, which, by the way, yep. was the best Instagram page. And that was just brought out as soon as it was labeled as racist. It focused on all the different nationalities, religions, different people of different colors who were all involved in this same protest. It, it was incredible. But, you know, you'd, you'd switch from the live on the ground feeds that you could watch for hours. You could watch them all day if you wanted to. And then you would go to the official like CBC, CTV, global news report from the day you know, like, this isn't this isn't the same thing. Like we aren't yeah. looking at the same thing. And I think yeah. if anything, I think that this has has proven to be a really good exercise in people kind of seeing that bias. Right. Even, you know, I mean, a lot of the stories that you had talked about in these these six different accounts that were all debunked, like those stories have now been taken down. But the thing is, they never it's so easy to just retract a story. They don't they aren't going to publicly announce like we got this wrong. Here's the actual facts. It's just they'll just pull the report. And that's
1: it, The damage is done, right?
0: The damage is done. The damage is done. But at the same time, like I think that every time that they do this, they're shooting themselves in the foot because more Canadians are looking at what's happening on the ground and then they're looking at the report that is given and they're saying these two things don't don't match up at all. Mm -hmm. Like what is going on here? Yeah. So I, I think that the more that this happens and again, the bigger the microscope that's on it, because obviously the freedom convoy had a huge microscope on it on a national scale. I think more and more people became aware of this bias and this, this reporting narrative that, that is so prevalent and it became more prevalent than ever during that freedom convoy. Again, because of the fact that everybody on the ground who is a part of the protest had a video device right in their hand Mm -hmm. and everybody was live streaming it. So you could see what was happening. It was the same with like the, I I can't find the stories anymore. I'm sure they got pulled, but it was stories saying that there was uh, no tear gas or no, what do they call it? Uh, expirant something they had some word for it right no tear gas though, essentially or pepper spray was used in any of the crowd control well i've got pictures screenshots from like live (laughs) instagrams where Mm -hmm. you can see tear gas is being sprayed in somebody's face and it's like okay this is a lie like i and so again like the more that this happens i think the more people are woken up to it and the more people just realize this This bias in the way that the whole story is being reported. And I don't think it takes a genius to put one and one together and realize that this bias is still being slanted on everything that we're seeing, you know, as this goes on. So just, just take that with a grain of salt. I I'm not, I really hate when people just paint everything as fake news, because then I think, I think you're destroying your own, your own kind of integrity with that too. But just be aware that there is a slant in the things that you're reading and that some of it May end up being retracted. But again, they're never going to alert you that it's been retracted. And, like you said, the damage is already done. Like yeah. it's just just to be aware of that. And I think more Canadians than ever are actually aware of that bias now,
1: so having said all this, right? Uh, our concern uh, and I, I think our duties as Canadians is to see uh, the divide that's been caused um in within Canada. But I've always also been someone being in, in business and, and, and economics and working for banks. Something that worries me is how see how it, you have to understand is that when you receive international investments, foreign investments coming into your country, a lot has to do with the confidence that these foreign investment investments uh, investors have of your country. Mm-hmm. So when you have a clown right running your uh, country to the ground, uh socially economically um and doing what he's done especially during the freedom convoy guys it's very you have to understand already we're we're, we're inflation is out of control we're printing money less money is gonna come out because they've lost uh they've lost a lot of international investors have lost confidence in the banking system that froze some of those accounts and we won't even get into that right because that just still uh keeps me up at night so judging from what we've seen uh this week just yesterday in the european union parliament uh three mps correct me if i'm wrong zach i think it was up to three completely lambasting, lambasting our prime minister okay mm-hmm. by by he, let me let me just read one of them here for you okay um this comes from a, a german mp a prime minister who openly admires the Chinese basic dictatorship who tramples on fundamental rights by persecuting and criminalizing his own citizens as terrorists just because they dare to stand up to his perverted concept of democracy. Uh, yeah. Well, First of all, every word that was said against him right to his face I know. was well-earned but I will go for, like I said before, It'll tie it back to what I'm saying. I'm concerned now in terms of the confidence that we've lost internationally. Our, our, our reputation has been tarnished. I don't know if it's beyond repair, um, but this is what I'm worried about right now.
0: Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I think your, I think your uh, worries are, you know, there's, there's merit behind them because, but again, like to me, again, if this is stuff that I worry about too, but like, I just try to remind myself, I'm like, okay, I can't control that. I can't control that. (laughs) All I can control is like, and again, like what you talked about is where do we go from here? Like my, my biggest thing. And I completely agree with everything that you said. And, you know, uh, Mike is saying in the comments that it's up to four MPs. Now, I think that I had seen the three speeches and I don't know if you saw the apparent screenshot from, like when he was speaking how empty that hall was yes like nobody nobody wants to listen to him right so um but i I found it uh, yeah so i find that all interesting and especially coming from a german mp somebody Mm. who who knows a fair bit about what a historical like authoritarian government looks like okay so if it's coming from somebody in germany uh they know what they're talking about so anyway uh so beside all that like what i can control is even just like my person to person relationships. Like, I don't know even how comfortable your friend Tony is, but if he wanted to come onto a podcast, cause if he, if he's, you know, if he does agree with the the steps that have been taken and the way that everything's gone, like it's people like that. It's, it, it's, it's us little people who just need to find a way to stitch things back together, you know, yep. at the ground level, because, you know, if, if the citizens can come back together, if if we can find a way to find common ground despite our differences, like I think that's that's gonna go a long way. Like again, if you had then a groundswell of support like that where people were saying, you know what, enough of this, like we're together in this, get out. Like if you saw the trucker convoy all of a sudden on steroids, where just it was just another una- again, another uprising, just a peaceful, non compliance, peaceful demonstration of people saying, Enough is enough. Like we've got to come together, we've got to find a path forward. This isn't working that's the way you enact change so to me it starts starts again at at those little individual levels those little relationships because i have no way to control how a foreign corporation is going to see investing in canada but but i i can change the way that i relate to people who may have a different viewpoint on everything that's gone on uh than i do right so yeah but i i definitely agree with you like all that stuff worries me too everything everything about it the the future of you know We've talked about housing prices before this, so that's obviously tied right into inflation, the the cost of groceries now, the cost of fuel, the cost of everything, everything is going through the roof. Um, and it's, yeah, it's worrying, especially, you know, you and I both have kids. Like I never, I never cared this much about politics until I had kids. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm not just worrying about myself anymore. Like I could live in a cardboard box eating ramen every day of the week. But now I have kids, like I, I have to pay attention to this stuff. And that's again, like you, I worry about the future. I worry about what what's going to happen with them.
1: So you, you said so many good things there, and I think one takeaway of, or one positive that I could see uh, what this what we've lived through the last two years is that a lot of people that prior uh, were the type of if only if it affects me, I'll I'll get involved or I'll do my homework on it. That's completely changed. There's a lot of people that are now. I've spoken to to uh, people that. Uh, They don't want to know nothing about politics and now are, are basically, um, getting educated and doing their own research and saying, yes, this does have an impact, impact on me. Inflation has an impact on my family and, and opportunities, uh, for my children and what kind of world are we going to leave them impacts me, of course. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I totally agree with you that yes, we could only have, and, and I'd like to think that, you know, yes, I did say what I said earlier. Um, but I'm still, I'm, I still try to listen to people that have an opinion different than I, this is why I call the show, the agree to disagree show. And I've had left leaning people on my show, even though I don't understand them. I try, I try to at least see from what angle they're coming from, how they could possibly see things. We don't have to agree, Mm -hmm. but you know what? Um, Tony Cheech and I don't agree. He's one of my good friends.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's important. And we we have to also realize that we have I have more in common with like, you know, my fellow tradesman who doesn't vote the same way I do than I do with the leader of the party that I vote for. Like I have, you know, probably 95 percent in common with the guy working beside me. I've got nothing in common apart with the guy who's leading the party I vote for. Like we have more in common than we have apart. And like, that's something that I think we, we have to realize. Like and it, it's you know it might be the answer out of this stuff is finding the common ground because we have way more common ground than we realize. Yeah. And the point is to keep people divided, right? So if you can if you can find a way to build those bridges back, um I, I just think I just think it's never been more important than right now.
1: Yeah. I, I just I, I hope we do. I hope we do. Um you know, start to get back to life because, uh, we so need it. We've lost literally two years of our lives. And, uh, mm. I hope we slowly do. I hope the wounds start to get healed between us. And I, I hope that people, um, because you know what, there's been a lot of friendships I've been lost. There's been a lot of family members, uh, friendships and family members that have, and speaking to a lot of people and, it still amazes me how it's gotten to that point, Zach. I don't know if you've heard that as well.
0: Oh, I've experienced it, man. I've got, I've got family members that, uh, yeah, won't talk to me. Didn't invite me over for Christmas this year. Um, It's, it's sad. And, you know, I don't, (laughs) I don't know. Like again, same with friendships, you know, stuff like that has changed. But, you know, again, another thing that you had said that was kind of a gem out of this pandemic is people starting to get involved, starting to realize things. Like, I think it's also, you know building on that, like a lot of people have found their voice, a lot of people have have found their spine, their backbone, right? They've found something that they can stand for and that they really, that really does kind of pull that sense of meaning and value out of somebody's life, right? Like I know that yeah. me personally, uh, before starting this podcast, like this was again, like we had talked about before, kind of therapy, kind of just a way to work on finding my voice because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm fairly introverted in general in real life. Um, but you know, since all of this has gone on, like I've found a voice, I've found a backbone, I've found, you know, just so much meaning in this and it's been incredible. And I, I can't, you know, unless you were without facing all the tests and the crazy shit that has happened in the past two years, for me personally, I don't think that I would have gone through this transformation. Maybe you wouldn't have either. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who feel the same way. I think it's, you know, I, I do think that there, if we can pull gems out of this pandemic, I think that's one of them for me personally anyway.
1: I, I, uh, I agree. I agree. And, 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 uh, I mean, we've agreed on everything tonight and you know, we <laughs> so kind of blew the, blew the whole, uh, that's fine. And I knew that <laughs> I knew it was going to go that way anyway, but that's fine. But you know, it's just like, I, I say, I always say that I try to use my podcast as a sort of an education and, and maybe people that don't follow the news and just what we talked about tonight is that here's the truth. This is what's happened. And, um, Yeah. And yeah, I do feel vindicated.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's my story. I
1: can say it. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I feel vindicated. I totally do.
0: So Um, I do too. It's, it's trying to keep this smile off my face half the time now. (laughs) That's the biggest (laughs) challenge. (laughs) But yeah, I, I echo that, that sentiment too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, on that note, uh, it's going to be in the show notes, but tell everybody where they could find your podcast and all that guys, by the way, please support, uh, the Plaid Jacket Philosopher podcast. And uh, Zach's going to tell you where you can find uh, on all platforms.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm not nearly as advanced as you. I don't have a video component or a live component yet. I Again, I'm in the middle of moving. So maybe in the next couple of months, I'm going to try to incorporate that into my show as well. But right now it's just the Plaid Jacket Philosopher. It's on, you know, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. I think it's on pretty much any of the podcast apps, whatever you li- used to listen to. So you can awesome. search it up there. And again, like, yeah, thanks for having me on Luigi. Like I really like connecting with other Canadian podcasts specifically because, you know, like you, we get inundated with enough Canadian or well enough American news and American podcasts. Like it's, it's nice to, I don't know, have a Canadian, some Canadian flavor to it too.
1: Yeah. I had, uh, last week I had the guys from the Elevate podcast and they're out in Halifax. Oh, uh, I'll have to check them out. Yeah. I'll send you, I'll send you, uh, their, their, um uh, all the information. So guys yeah. in the show notes, you're going to find it, uh, where you could see. And basically like he said, like Zach said, uh, on all podcast, uh, platforms. So thank you so much. First of all, everybody for your comments, for tuning in this evening, it was very insightful. Thank you so much, Tony. I still love you buddy. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, Zach, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Uh, really, really thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and, um, let's hope we start to see that healing start
0: amen man yeah thanks for having me all
1: right man stay on uh we'll chat offline and i'm wishing everybody a beautiful thursday evening go canada tonight game already started we win tonight we're going to the world cup and i want to talk about italy have a good (laughs) one everybody (laughs) thanks for listening to the agree to
0: disagree show make sure you like subscribe and tell all your friends about it until next time